to the worst nightmare of all. Reality. Explore the lesser-known stories of our unknown world. Join the pursuit of the paranormal with Ash and Greg. Good evening, Ash. I'm not even going to ask how you are, because that's obvious question. <laughs> I've been talking for like half an hour before we started yeah, recording exactly. anyway. Yeah. You're doing okay, though. <laughs> Same question, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm good. I'm looking forward to our second anniversary. I know, I know. That's come podcast. around very quickly. Very quickly. And we've done, in this last year, I think we've done loads of stuff, which well, I imagine we'll go through in a bit more detail nearer the time. But, <laughs> we, yeah, we've done loads of stuff compared to what we did in our first year, so... Yeah, looking forward to having a chat a bit closer to the time, which is next week. Next week. <laughs> yeah, next, <laughs> this time next week. Yeah, I can't believe that's come around so quick. Two years. So I remember our first anniversary. And we're I, still going. Yeah. Close to still... 200 episodes altogether. That's insane. That's insane. And we've done, yeah, we've done... Like the the haunted states, we've done now doing the pub crawl, and something else is going to start this weekend. It is, and it's not us. And it's not us. December the fourth, this new show will go out. Do you want to uh, let everybody know? Yeah, so we have a brand new show starting called Women of the Dark. Yes, which is. Abigail and Natalie, who are girls that help run UFO Identified with me and have been guests on the podcast a few times. Yeah. They are starting their own show, which will be hosted on our podcast. So you can find it just by looking on our on our feed. And that'll be the first Sunday of every month, starting this Sunday, like you say, the 4th of December. And they're going to be, each month, talking to like a, a well-known female voice in the UFO or paranormal field. Yep. So getting their experiences of being a woman in this industry and the sort of troubles and obstacles about to overcome to sort of get their name heard in yeah. a very male-dominated industry. It is, yeah. It is a very male. As most of our guests have been male, just on our podcast. Mm. So it would be good to to get the take from the the girls as we'll call them um and like abigail's been or came with us to canic chase so that was good so mm. she's been out and about with us and obviously out on your nights and all your events so yeah yeah but I, and i've been obviously we're producing the show so i've listened to the first couple of episodes i got and really really good interviews Cool. Sort of approaching it with different questions I've not really heard these guests, well-known guests being asked before. Yeah. Sort of get a different perspective behind, behind the whole thing. So it's really, really good. So, yeah, that's starting this Sunday. Awesome. Women of the Dark. Awesome. And check the um, the ep- or the artwork as well, because so the artwork was generated by artificial intelligence. Yeah. 
So, yeah, we've stepped into that uh, the artwork process. And and we had quite we... a few because I sort of like yeah. like review. We we got quite a few different images together. Yeah. So sent them all to Bob Abbey and that, and they both straight away said this one resonates mm. with us. Like literally both of them straight away was like, yeah, that one hundred percent. So the artwork you'll see on the website and on the the podcast notes. Yes. Yeah. The seat represents them. It resonates with him. I think it does as well. Like when I saw it, I thought, I like that one. I like that yeah. one. Yeah. I thought it, it was going to be between two of them, and they both went for that one straight away. So it's like, yeah, not surprised. That's cool. Yeah, because there was quite a few different ones as well that we did. That, so, yeah, that's cool. I'm looking forward to, to hearing that. And like you say, that'll be on the website, and we'll have his own section on the website as well. Yeah. Same page. So, yeah. So apart from like sort of hosting it on our, Think it's their show. It's yes, yeah. It's it's them. I sort of do the editing and upload it. But apart from that, it's yeah. it's, it's their them. show. Not yeah, ours. cool. Yeah, definitely. That'd be good. That'd be good, and it'd be interesting to see what people think of that. Um, and yeah, looking forward to 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 hearing them chatting away. Yeah, and not only that, we have got our another little <laughs> show coming out on the thing starting in december as well why do we uh, do it <laughs> i don't know i don't know but less of to do just gets bigger and bigger yeah but it's yeah. all fun yes it is <laughs> it is actually and despite when although it takes up a lot of time doing these conversations and research and getting guests and editing and uploading especially if you're on five meg broadband at a travel lodge um <laughs> took a long time to upload an episode um despite all of that and even when you're tired everything like that is all good fun and it is good fun and at the end of it usually it's just like oh, that was cool could have chatted for ages and we've been guests on 401 files with ben we've been guests on total disclosure uh, with Ty, um, and I was on there last week. Yeah. Um, with with one of the guests on the show, Mike, who's been on with us before. Um, ben was supposed to be on it from Four One Files, so we've we've made loads of friends all over the world, and people want to talk to us. We want to talk to them, and it's 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 really cool. And the guys at Dockside Media, I always keep in touch with <laughs> their stuff, and they're at. Uh, the uh, cemetery. Yes, a couple of days ago, I saw that on social yeah. media. Yeah, so yeah, it, we've like this whole new world of people has opened yeah. up. To and us. tomorrow we'll be filming, uh, recording with Frank. Yes, yeah, for Finker again for the monthly roundtable that's going to be coming yeah. out later this week. Yeah, we've been doing that since May. Can you believe How that? Long May? It's been? I know, I know. Wow. So I put them up on the the website again. Uh, under its own section as well so people can just go straight to those episodes and just listen to them straight off which is cool um, and you can listen just through the website so you don't even need to go to a, a podcast player or anything which is really cool so yeah we put all of those up there put any guest appearances up there we just it's a bit yeah it's just mad it's just mad so yeah we've had fun fun couple of years and more to come. So yes, new new thing. What are we doing? What are we doing? Oh yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> we're gonna be doing a show around 
so we're going to start off by looking at the sort of some of the monsters that you'll find in the video game Fallout 76, which is one of my favorite video games. I've been yeah. playing it for about four years now. It's been out, but that this this game based in West Virginia, and they got like the Flatwoods monster, Grafton monster, Wendigo, uh, Mothman as well. Mothman. Yeah, all these legends that are in the game. So this series, each week, each month, we're going to be looking at one of the monsters from the game and the history behind it. Yeah. Like the true story behind the game character. Yes. So the first series is going to be Fallout 76, and then we'll see where that takes us. Might do other video games, other sort of characters, and the true stories behind them. <laughs> Just to give us more work today. <laughs> oh, the podcast audio does not convey the almost crying laughter <laughs> when we're discussing some of these things but no it's it's all good and we're, i've learned so much about everything since we've been we've been doing this so it's yeah although we we create a lot of work for ourselves it, it's it's fun work and it? it is fun it's fun it is so that brings on to today's episode yes which, which is, is Haunted Roads, yes, part, part two. <laughs> Revenge of the A666. <laughs> Every time I drive down that road, <laughs> I think I like, took a picture up. I'll take a picture. Like, take a yep. picture of that road sign. This is A666 <laughs> near Bolton. Like, it's not Devil's Highway. It's not quite the extraterrestrial highway, like on the way to Area 51, but. No. I get campaigns, get like renamed, like get a road sign built saying like Devil's Highway as you come into it. So <laughs> yeah, add that to the to-do list. That's, yeah, add it to the to-do list. <laughs> what could you call it though? So you, obviously not extraterrestrial highway, you got the Devil's Highway, but you could also call it the Paranormal Highway. Road of uh, Terror. Road of Terror. <laughs> Put on a safety campaigners out there, the Road of Terror. <laughs> yeah, slow down. <laughs> slow down. Yeah. Keep to Don't go too slow, otherwise the ghost will get you. <laughs> so people go slow, fast, slow, fast. Anyway, anyway, we digress. It's quite late in the evening when we're recording this. It's been a long first day of the week. Yeah, so Haunted Roads. Haunted so Roads. We did this start of the year i think we did part think one it, yeah i think it might be right quite well, I go what it, is. it proved to be really popular yeah it was episode. it was a really popular episode and i think because people can a lot of our listeners so what it's around 60 percent of our listeners are in the uk so it, it resonates i think a little bit more yeah, they can recognize the roads and yeah and stuff yeah yeah and that's what we're try- aiming for for the pub crawl as well. That as we hit certain pubs, people will, will go, ah, oh, that's my local pub. Mm. So, the, which I've been doing because I work in the pub industry. Mm. And some of the pubs we talked about, I know through my work. So I'm like, ah, I, I know I, I know someone that works at that pub and, and stuff. So that's been really cool. <laughs> that's just by chance. Like We started thinking about this before I even got that job. Yeah, you did. We did. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm like now recognizing some of these pubs through my job. <laughs> I'm now yeah. researching ghost stories at which is, which is you could you could release a book based on for your company the company's 
mm. all these pubs from that company, the hauntings, could push it, could push it, Ash. I managed to do the to-do list. Yeah, I, at least let me take some kind of percentage <laughs> of that. <laughs> cool, so, what do you want to go first? Do you, do you want to start? Yeah, I'll start, I'll start. And it's not a good one, because this, this has got quite a few different stories to it. Sometimes sort of have like one story on one road, whereas this one has got numerous, like quite a lot. Okay. And this is the A15. No, well. England. <laughs> the A15, it runs between Lincoln and Sleaford. It's had more than its fair share of spooky tales, as well as phantom cyclists and ghostly horses running along the road. I'm going to take a bit of a dive into a few stories a bit more on the scary side rather than like a phantom cyclist. So the first one, we'll go to 2016 when there was a family of three driving along the A15 heading south from Lincoln on a fine Sunday morning. All of a sudden, they saw a young girl no more than eight years old standing on the side of the road. Described as thin and forlorn, and wearing nothing but a nightgown, this wasn't the most shocking thing about her. She appeared to be transparent. Oh. Like a true ghost, where all three of the family were able to see through the little girl. Okay. All of a sudden, she began to float above the pavement, but she was staying ahead of the car and keeping up with it. What? So the car's driving at 30 miles an hour along the A15 and this little girl wearing a nightdress that is like her body's completely see-through. He's just floating like alongside her, alongside the car as they're driving. But they described her movements as a series of short instantaneous jumps rather than like a smooth moving pattern. So she's like glitching? Yes. Kind of, kind of like when you talk about TikTok description, uh, TikTok uh, description of where it just appears, like yeah, you travel miles in like a second, you just jump. So that's how she was appearing, just to one second appear like further ahead of the road and then next to him. Weird. And the family, all three of them in the car, kept their eyes on her the whole time, and all of a sudden she just suddenly vanished into thin air, and that was it. She was gone. So quite, I mean, I wouldn't know what to think. <laughs> yeah. so. what do, how, how do you even comprehend something like that? Mm-hmm. Like first everyone all, in the car this... seeing it. It's And first of all, this girl's transparent, which in itself is rather odd. She's in a nightdress, and then she starts floating along at the same speed as a car, but glitching, thus... Yeah, because at first you think like you might stop to think like she got lost or something, like she's in a nightdress. But then when you see that, like, she's just see through and sort of traveling at 30 miles an hour. That's weird. If you're like on your own, you might think, oh, I'm a bit tired. I'm just I'm seeing flecks of lights or something. But like when all three of the family are seeing the same thing, I think that's, uh, that's a bit weird. Yeah, that is a bit weird. Um, yeah. 
so, nice. Staying on the A15. Okay, go on. Yeah. The next one. <laughs> this has been dubbed the Ruskington Horror. Okay. This sounds, this sounds pretty scary. Sounds and a bit it's... like a B a B movie, B horror movie type <laughs> thing. This is. Oh. I can see why they call it a horror because what happened was pretty, pretty creepy. So this was actually this bizarre case was actually uncovered in 1998 when the witness Kevin Whelan called into ITV's this morning to speak about his incredible experience. Side note: ITV this morning asked me to go on it talk about UFOs. But I said no because they wanted me to lie, basically. So I didn't go on it. I know somebody else, one of our friends that's been on this morning as well. We yes. With his doll. Haunt, haunted objects, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> uh, so Kevin Whelan, he was driving on the A15 from Lincoln to Sleaford at around 60 miles per hour. As he approached the turn-off for Ruskington, he spotted something floating in front of him. At first, he assumed it was a large white bin bag or something, but when he caught up to it, a face suddenly appeared in the top right-hand corner of the windscreen with what looked like a hand being held up. What? So, so, so imagine driving, all of a sudden his face just appears in the corner of your windscreen. He described it as greek looking like greek origin with dark hair and olive green skin with a pitted face and its teeth were visible kevin carried on driving in fear for around 45 seconds before the face faded away down the side of the car his wife recounts kevin coming home crying panicking and distraught and said she'd never seen him so distressed wow I mean, I, <laughs> I've had some scary instances in my car when I've been driving with, uh, like, dogs, chihuahuas and phantom chihuahuas and stuff and <laughs> men does shit. But to see a face, I can imagine that being quite scary. Just a touch. There's not much you can do apart from carry on driving because you're not going to stop. <laughs> like, you're not going to stop at all. Do you speed up? That's the thing. <sighs> I don't know how you'd react. But then you've got people like people who witness UFO events and they just sort of carry on as normal, as though nothing's happened. So maybe that you kind of fight or flight takes over and you kind of just go, I'm just gonna carry on. <laughs> Let's carry on. Typical British. You're trying to like ignore it, that's like look sort of to the yeah. left of your windscreen. Trying to if I can't see it, it's not there. <laughs> yeah, this face isn't looking at me. Like, I wonder if you put the windscreen wipers on just to see if it... Oh, yes, I'll definitely be on the windscreen wipers. Like... See if you can smash it off. <laughs> <laughs> That's yes. odd. But then what would you do if, like, say the windscreen wipers like, actually hit it? And, like... I think that might be even more scary. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, <laughs> you know there's definitely something there, then. Yeah. Wow. Well, Rather than like, I don't know, it's the rain making the shape of a face or something if it's raining. Yeah, a bit of paradelia or something like that. Yeah, yeah. which it could be. Uh, but yeah, if you start <laughs> smashing into it. I've also say you described it as Greek looking. It's like a Greek guy. That's quite specific. It's quite specific. So you must have had a half decent image. Yeah. Mm. 
rather than like a vague sort of human face. Mm-hmm. Hey, like that's I don't know. Greek. He's from Greece. Yeah, that is specific. Definitely specific. Wow. Another little bit staying on the A15. Wow. They say there's quite a few from this. I don't like that road already. <laughs> Uh, so this is a little bit shorter, these ones sort of coming a bit thick and fast. So this one's from a driver who saw someone run in front of the vehicle and being absolutely certain that they had killed or seriously injured somebody, they stopped to get out to help and found that there's nobody all around, there's no sign of the car being hit or anybody being hit at all, just nothing. They saw someone run out in front of the car and that was it, there's no one there. Other drivers have reported seeing a white shape that turns into a man who has his arm raised as if to warn drivers about something. After he's been seen, he fades away into a mist. Oh, a bit creepy. Kind of, yeah, kind of like the side of the road, put his arm up, type like, hey, watch out, there's something coming, something in front of you, and then, yeah, he disappears. I wonder if there was an accident there at one point, and he was just like, he was like a bystander or something and it's just felt it's his duty just to mm. get people to slow down get people to slow down yeah maybe mm. maybe could be. could be yes that's a few of the weird weird stories from the a15 yes um i don't think i will be visiting that for a while um so on to mine so we have we've briefly spoken um about this particular road near bath um where there's claimed to have been haunted by a murdered girl also Mm. where the birds don't sing now we touched on on the last one called sally in the wood so this is a particular road near Bath, um, or Bath, depending on where you live. Um, Bath. It, Bath. 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 Bath, where, we, where I'm from, it's Bath. Bath. <laughs> so the road is just outside of Bath and runs between Bathford and Farley Wick. And weirdly, it's one of the world's most haunted locations where... <laughs> Most of the we places we talk, we love them. Yeah. <laughs> if it's on this podcast, chances are it's the world's most haunted location. Or <laughs> most haunted asylum in the state or <laughs> according to reports, that is. Yeah. So it came back into media spotlight a few years ago because of some work that was being done to widen the road, fix the cracks and undo the damage caused by a landslide. But some who love the supernatural would argue that the landslide and the cracks in the road surface were not just caused by shit road surfacing by the council um, or normal forces of nature. There have been claims over the years that the spirit of the murdered girl lives in the area, uh, haunting those who pass by. Uh, we touched on this before, so it's only a brief a brief overview of this one. There's also talk of birds in the trees surrounding the road being unable to sing. So not that they're quiet, but they just can't sing. And whether you believe in the supernatural or not, 
the the tales have become so numerous over the years that it's hard not to think of it as having some kind of eerie atmosphere. Apparently, some people refuse to travel along the road at night. People go out seeking poltergeists and ghouls, and they've been theorising about the the reputation of the area. And one website, the Ghost Hunt UK, has alleged that eight deaths have occurred along the road and that seven of them remain a mystery. Mm. So we talked about Sally in the Wood before, so I I won't cover that off. Needless to say, check that out on the previous previous episode. Um, but then we've got some stories. So there's a spooky crash. A young couple may have knocked down a girl dressed in white when she ran from trees across the road in front of their car. Uh, this su- supernatural imagining of the original Sally in the Woods story leaves the question open as to whether the girl was real or whether she was actually the ghost of Sally. Then we've got Civil War. The part of that, that the term Sally had also come at that time, meaning a sudden rush out from a besieged place upon the enemy. Mm-hmm. So in that particular area, there's um, war and the clash between those loyal to the king and those back in Oliver Cromwell. Um, that's another theory. Now, another theory for it being a haunted road is the local witch. Um, Sarah Gibson, baptised at Monkton Farley in 1732, married a gamekeeper from Worley Manor in 1762. When her husband died, so the story goes, she was evicted from the cottage where they both lived. And she's said to have inhabited a little hut nearby woods and rumours spread about her locally with some regarding her as the witch. And whoever Sally really was, her name lives on in chilling and gripping tales in a way she probably never imagined. And as I say, this is just a small part of the Sally in the Woods story, and we we cover it in a lot more detail in the previous one, but it's definitely a road that deserves a mention because it's one of the world's most haunted locations according to reports but yeah, it's a strange a lot going on there you got the witch yeah. and that the civil war stuff and obviously yeah. we know that sort of places where battles have happened so you have a lot of energy and stuff like that yes so. absolutely loads of trauma mm. cause spirits and and things to happen so yeah a very strange strange road Cool. So staying relatively close to Bath. Bath. Uh, this is Devon. So that, that part of the country a little bit. Yeah, kind of. But closer kind to uh, it is than I am. Yes. So yeah, yeah. this is the man with the Gladstone bag. The man with the Gladstone bag. That sounds like um, a song. Or a band or something like that. That's like a James Bond movie. Yes. The man with the yes, it does. Bag. <laughs> Maybe that's the next one. Doesn't sound quite as threatening as a man with a golden gun. <laughs> yeah, it's a new new uh, new generation. That's, uh... Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. So this is a similar story to kind of one of the ones that I covered a moment ago. And this is where like a ghost that's been run over numerous times by motorists, but then when they check, there's no one there. 
So one night in 1989, two friends, Tom and Peter, friends, were driving north across. <laughs> I don't know. We're driving north across Woodbury Common in Devon on the B3180 towards Ottery St. Mary. As they approached the pub on their left hand side, halfway in, a pub that we may cover on our haunted pub crawl. Maybe. They watched in horror as a man stepped into the road, right into the path of their car, which was travelling at around 25 miles per hour. The man was clear in the headlights, and both Tom and Peter could see that he was wearing a black top hat and black frock coat, and was carrying a Gladstone bag. The man turned his head to look straight at them. Although his normal looking face seemed a bit blank and unaware that the car was there. Tom, driver, slammed on the brakes, but there was too much momentum, and the car simply went through the man. Both Tom and Peter were convinced that they killed someone and got out of the car as soon as it came to a halt. Tom burst into tears, he was that shocked at what had happened. Tentatively, they looked around the car and under the car, then at the back of the car, using torches, but there was nothing to be found. A week later, Peter decided to pay a visit to the halfway inn to talk to the landlord about what happened. The driver, Tom, point blank refused to go with him. Just thought, no, he's too sort of traumatised, convinced he'd hit someone. The landlord confirmed that several other people had had similar experiences over the years. He believed that what had been seen was the ghost of a doctor who had attended a birth at the inn and upon leaving had stepped out into the road only to be won over and killed by a horse and carriage. Well, So again, another phantom sort of hit and run, well, hit and miss, I guess, because I don't know what you'd call it. Like, you've hit him, you've hit the ghost. Obviously, you've not hurt him because... No. Unless you hurt him on a different dimension. Wow, you're opening up a rabbit hole there. Yeah, let's not. Yeah, like I say, they again described the person. It wasn't like, oh, it's like a shadow or a mist of a person. It was described what he looked like, described what he was wearing. Quite specific. I mean, I don't know what a Gladstone bag is. Is that a brand or a type of bag? I don't know. Could be. Might have to Google that. That seems quite... um, Okay, it is. A Gladstone bag is a small portmanteau suitcase built over a rigid frame which could separate into two equal sections. So, you know, old school doctors, they used to have that sort of big leather. Oh, that's what I opened up. Yeah, that's it. That's Ah. a Gladstone bag, apparently. Ah, Okay. So that fits the doctor story. Yeah, amazing what you can find out on Google. Like, literally, you think a few years ago we would. We'd have been going down the library, trying to figure out what a Gladstone bag was. Oh, it's like a brand, like a Gucci bag or something. <laughs> we could go. I don't know if did they have branded bags back in the day. Maybe they did. They bought a Gladstone probably the brand, wasn't it? But they'd be like the only ones yeah. that need it. Maybe. Yeah. So like I say, he's quite specific. They saw what he was wearing: his hat, his jacket, his bag. Do you, Do you want to know just while we're Randomly talking about Gladstones. Yeah. The name actually comes after, or named after William Gladstone, 1809 to 1898, the four-time Prime Minister of the UK. 
Ah. Okay. Was he a doctor? No, it was just named after him. Manufactured by J.G. Beard at his leather shop in the city of Westminster. Um, The patent for an improvement in the frame of travelling bags. So, okay. Okay. Anyway. Yeah, so that is the... uh... The man with the Gladstone bag coming soon from Warner Brothers or something. <laughs> Marvel. <laughs> Maybe it's a new superhero. <laughs> but there we go. That's that's quite a weird story, though. To be fair, it's again quite specific. Mm. Specific details. Interesting. You say about you run over a ghost, you hurt hurt them or whatever. What? If, where we talked about interdimensional stuff before, what if the it's just a parallel time timeline, a parallel universe running alongside us, mm-hmm. and they're not a ghost, they're actually, it's, it's almost like that timeline sort of interacting with us, so it's actually a person, but just like yeah. in a different... So by running them over in the timeline, they're actually fucking them up in the other timeline. And they, they can't see it because all of a sudden he's just sort of glitched back and he's like on the side of the road. And he is underneath a car or whatever. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe that's like some hit and runs are like actually cars from a different dimension. Oh, Jesus Christ. Because they did start, but there's not in that timeline. Yeah. Wow. I've got to ring the local police and be like, I've got something to tell you now. All these unsolved mysteries. Yeah, got them all. Got them all. <laughs> but if you believe, like, parallel universes and, like, everything that's ever happened, like, every possible permutation of everything has already happened and is happening at the same time then it could be that that is something that has happened. You've hit somebody in another timeline, possibly. Could be. Anyway, we're going down. There's a haunted road we don't want to go down. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, Not yet, not yet. So I am moving us slightly eastwards to sort of the Surrey area, and we're going to look at the infamous A3 ghost crash near Guildford. Some believe the incident could have been a ghostly replay of a crash that happened five months previous. And it's just under 20 years since one of the oddest incidents ever recorded on the roads of Surrey took place, and to this day still remains unexplained. So it's December the 11th, 2002, so almost... 20 years ago next week basically Surrey police received a flood of calls from members of the public that a car had lost control and left the A3 around 10 metres before the slip road at Burpham in Guildford police arrived at the scene to find no evidence of the newly crashed vehicle at the scene until they looked 20 metres further down the road there they discovered the wreckage of a maroon Vauxhall Astra, nose down in the ditch, completely hidden from a road and any potential passers-by. But this vehicle was not the result of a recent incident. 
with officers only discovering the remains of a body which had lain undiscovered for the previous five months, along with the wrecked Astra. What? What? So, a media frenzy greeted the discovery with some suggesting that the crash all those people had rung in about was in fact a ghostly replay of the incident. Right, so... Okay, so, so you've got all these people, they see this crash happen. So they, they ring the police, multiple people ring the police, emergency services say, just been a car crash. Please yeah, get this there. Is, yeah, and there is no the... crash. <clears throat> so there is no crash where everybody says it was. But 20 metres away, just up the road, there is a, a crashed vehicle. But it's been there five months. But it's been there five months with a body. Wow. And it just not been, not been spotted before that, which in itself is quite weird because you'd think that somebody would be missing, but they might have been. So the police confirmed that the body found at the scene was that of a twenty-one-year-old called Christopher Bryan Chandler. He was wanted for robbery and had been on the run from the Met Police since July the sixteenth that year. So right. Six five months beforehand, police rubbished any talk that this was some sort of paranormal event, adding that the incident was treated as a normal road collision with the fact the car was obscured by the bush, meaning it wasn't reported sooner. But the people must have saw something that day. Mm-hmm. That's mad because this one's actually got evidence. Yep. Yeah, so wow. it gets even weirder. So one person who remembers the day clearly was a guy called Steve Casey who worked for Mako Recovery Services. So the recovery people, the guys that come out when the police call them and mm. get rid of the cars and pick them up and whatnot. So speaking 10 years after the event, uh, he said that it was an event he would not forget as he was at the scene to tow the car away and remembers the remains being recovered from the scene. The car was badly damaged, said Mr. Casey. It was written off and rusty, and it was an old car. Someone said afterwards that there might have been a ghost involved, but you aren't told that at the time. I was just getting on with the job. He added, the incident still stirs memories when he drives down the A3 near Burpham, saying... He thinks about it every time, and nearly two day, decades on, debate still rages about why people heard the noise and why exactly it was reported at the location of a crash five months previous. I mean, wow. what was it, the guy who crashed? Was it his way of post-death trying to like, get I'm somebody? Here. I, yeah, <laughs> like I'm a here. signpost, Fine. yeah. I'm here. And because he didn't necessarily saw where he specifically went off the road, that's why people saw him at a slightly different point in the road itself. Mm. Maybe. But it's weird that all those people phone up and report an incident for the police to rock up and find a car that's been there for five months and no other car. It suggests to me it's like a signpost. Yeah, literally. Like I say, it's actually got evidence like the car was there, that body was there, he'd been mm-hmm. there for months. Like multiple, multiple witnesses. And... Wow. But I mean, if a body has been sat in a car for months, and that was July, roughly, 
a summer. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure that you'd be able to tell straight away that that isn't a recent dead body. Yeah. I can only imagine the state of it. But yeah, that's quite a cool one. I like that. That is cool. So I'm going to take us up north, up to not far from my neck of the woods, to Merseyside. And this is the Talking Phantom Hitchhiker. Ooh. So this story comes from Dr. Gandhi, who is a writer with the Fortune Times, who's investigated countless tales of so-called phantom hitchhikers. Spooks seemingly hell-bent on thumbing a ride. But less than a handful involve talking phantom hitchhikers. And this is one of the most frightening, where the eyewitness genuinely thought they were talking to a real person. Because we've heard of hitchhikers where you see them inside the road, you pull over to give them a lift, and no one's there. Yeah. And then, I think one case last time where they saw saw the same person again, further down the road. They did, yeah. I remember that one. Like, what what the hell? Well, this one's a talking hitchhiker. So this event took place in 1983 when a 27-year-old known as Mr. M was driving along the windswept coastal road between Ainsdale and Southport in Merseyside. This is a road that I've drove on many times. Really? So when we have our skywatches in Southport, so I come across to Manchester, I generally get on the M62 to Liverpool and then go up the coastal road up to Southport and go further on to Formby and that. And it's, it's a really nice road. It's just like you got like dunes, like the sand dunes, and then you got the like the um, the Irish Sea, okay, to, to yeah. the right. So it's like it's a nice nice drive. It's a nice drive. So yeah, so I was like, yeah, I've been on this road. I like I like this one. So Mister M spotted a hitchhiker standing on the side of the road, and offered to give him a lift. Doctor Gandhi explains. The man was wearing a Parker-type coat and was soaking wet and wasn't carrying any bags. He had stubble on his face and dark eyes. And the driver, Mr. M, guessed that he was in his mid-30s. Although his behaviour was normal and calm, he had a troubled expression. It's Mr. M put down to him being out in such bad weather. He was quietly spoken with a local Southport accent and asked if he could bring his girlfriend with him into the car, to which Mr. M agreed. Staying on the passenger side of the car, the man then stepped to its rear without making a sound, although the heavy rain was making a lot of noise. Mr. M then realised that the man was nowhere to be seen. He opened the driver's window and saw that there was nobody there. So he stepped out of the car for a couple of seconds, still could not see anybody. It took about 20 seconds for Mr. M to realise that the man had completely disappeared and there's no sign of any girlfriend. The road at that point was edged with high sand hills and there's quite simply nowhere the man could have gone. Which I can attest to because it's literally sort of a two-lane single carriageway. Yeah. It's just like field on one side and then on the other side you've got sand dunes and then sort of the ocean. So he's seen him side of the road, started to give him a lift, spoken to him. He said, can his girlfriend come as well? And then disappeared. Just 
That's weird. Completely gone in the rain. So that's that's like I say he's talking. So he has actually spoken to someone, not just seen somebody. Yeah. Especially with it being raining, you could like especially driving at night. And sometimes the road would disappear sometimes and it's like hard to see where you're going and you could see things and but to actually stop and talk to someone being a good Samaritan it's pissing down yeah. let's give him a lift this like on that road there's literally go for miles where there's nothing it's just the road and that's it and then <laughs> uh, yeah disappeared creepy odd yeah like I say the interaction bit's the weird bit where they're talking You'd think you'd lost your marbles. Because I think if you sit like, like you say, you see a ghost, again, not very normal thing to happen. But because there's been no real interaction, it's not not so much of a weird thing. But you actually communicate with the entity. Like you say, when you see something, you can, you can sort of wipe it off as misidentification or you're just yeah. tired or you've yeah. seen something in the rain or whatever. Yeah. Which actually like say to talk to someone, have that conversation, and then that person's just not there anymore. That's weird. Proper weird. Okay. So moving on to a Somerset village. So we kind of back down sort of Devon area. Um so there's a tiny village called C, S-E-A, uh, which is between Ilminster and Chard, for anybody who's fluent in the area. Um, so there's a haunting by a ghost horse, according to an old book. So people travelling at night through the tiny village of C have been confronted with a spooky four-legged Spectre. The book, which details this, was published in 1974 and was written by Rodney Legg, Mary Collier and Tom Perrett. And it recalls how people have come across a horse ghost which has risen from the road then galloped away, disappearing through a closed gate. I mean, that's pretty weird anyway. Mm. The old book claims it's more than just another book on folklore. It's serious work which amasses evidence that physical phenomena are a deserving cause for a more intelligent reaction than the usual sceptical amusement. The book tells of how two engineers both saw the ghost in the village when travelling home from a job at night. One of the people said... I don't tell this story too often. In fact, neither of us does because some people just won't believe that kind of thing. They poo-poo it. Who says poo-poo it? (laughs) And say that you're making it up. But when you've met something yourself, you do believe it. And I think that's that's something that we've discussed before, that people, till you have that experience, people are quite quick to go, that didn't happen. There's no such thing as ghosts. I'm going to poo-poo that idea. Poo-poo. <laughs> the last time I heard somebody say poo-poo an idea was in Blackadder. <laughs> Great program. But it is quite an old an old story. 50 years. Yeah. yeah. So there was no imagination at all with either of us 
We both saw it at the same moment and both reacted in the same way. You see, at first we didn't realise we'd been looking at a ghost. There was nothing to make us think it was one. Neither of us will ever forget it for as long as we live. So it goes on to say that the man who lived in Tytherley, just over the Somerset border, recalls how the pair had been working late on a call out in Somerton and had been travelling back to Devon by car. The man recalls our road was through Martock and Ilminster, then charred and home to Tytherley. I forget now whether or not it was a moonlight. Actually, don't think it was, but I do remember it was a clear night. It was late summer. And there was not a speck of haze or mist of any kind anywhere, which is another thing. Because you think <clears throat> in the summer, you get that miragey kind of haze, mm. and quite easy to see things at a distance, like the reflections and... But it's important because there's no question that we thought we saw something in the mist. There wasn't any mist and we had good, strong headlights. So between Elminster and Chard, there's a place called Sea, as we mentioned. And on the side of the road, there's a building called the Rope Factory. And it was there we saw a grey horse rise up out of the middle of the road. No rider, no reins, no saddle or anything of that kind and a mare or stallion we didn't notice. But we both, both noticed its mane was flying as if it was galloping along at speed. It galloped down the road ahead of us for quite some way and then turned off the road and galloped through a gate, a closed gate and a stakey gate at that. Now, I'm not too sure what a stakey gate is, but, but they said there's no question about the two of us not seeing it at the same time. The other chap was driving and I heard him take his foot off the accelerator and the man tells of how the sight had startled the pair who thought for a moment that they'd run the horse over. He said we both watched it gallop through the gate and neither of us had to tell the other that no horse could possibly gallop through a closed gate without injury. Past the gate we pulled up and turned back. The least we could do is find out what had happened to it. Perhaps we'd have to fetch somebody. But there was no horse there. There no sign of damage to the gate itself. And no sign of a horse in the field. There was not a sign of a horse of any kind anywhere. We just stood and looked at each other. And they put, I won't repeat what we said. Because it wasn't too polite. <laughs> you see, we both knew for certain that we'd just seen a ghost. The man explained that he learned more about the creepy local legend the next day after telling his boss about the experience. His boss said, oh yes, that's a well-known story, the ghostly horse at sea. Quite a few people have seen it, and it always just the same as you two saw it. Same place, and it does the same things you saw. It always rises up from the road, riderless, mane flying, and then it gallops off down the road and through a closed gate and then disappears. You too saw a ghost right enough. The engineer had thought as to where the ghost may have originated from. He said it could have some connection with the Battle of Sedgemoor. And that's what I myself rather think, he says. And yes, it would be on a route anyone in flight going eastwards from there would have likely taken... Uh, and dropping down into Devon or West Dorset. Uh, it may have belonged to one of Monmouth's followers, 
someone say who lived down there trying to get home it's quite a strange mm. a strange strange ghost horse as well i mean we get like you've got children floating alongside you get passengers and hitchhikers never normally a ghost and it's like a it's like a um like the stone tape theory where it's just replaying the same no interaction yeah not your horse guy obviously yeah, and if it if it's the size of some of the horses that are around, there's some big horses. So mm. I think if you thought you'd hit a horse, you would know if you hit a horse, even a small horse. Like a small horse can still weigh like two, three hundred kilos. Yeah. And if you hit one in your car, you would. <laughs> you would definitely know about yeah, it for sure. But seeing one go through a gate, that'd be weird. And there'd be no damage. I've seen it come out the road, like rising from the road, like emerging and just very <laughs> That's fine. on its own as well, like no rider, yeah. just just a horse and nothing else. Yeah. And if it's the same story that other people have said as well, it kind of lends weight to the fact that you're just relaying a, a like a a piece of information that other people have done the exact same bits of information. Hmm. Cool. So you just had a ghost horse. I'm going to take it to the next level. Like, cool. In fact, in the part one, we did this early in the year. I think we had like a phantom lorry. Yeah, we did. Similar. It was a phantom lorry. I'm going to take it one next level again. And this is going to Shropshire on the A442 and this is the Phantom Concord <laughs> so not I suppose not technically on the road it's flying above the road obviously mm-hmm. um, but yeah so the Phantom yeah. Concord so obviously the Concord most people know supersonic plane it flew commercially between 1975 and 2003 in this case, which is both strange and unsolved, describes how a family of startled eyewitnesses claim to have seen Concorde flying alongside them just 10 to 15 feet off the ground, what? having seemingly taken off from a random farmer's field. What the hell? <laughs> so can you imagine just driving on the road, there's like a Concorde just flying alongside you. Uh, so this was late August 1975 on the A442 near Bridgenorth in Shropshire. The aircraft disappeared from view behind hedges and trees as the eyewitnesses continued up the road and was then nowhere to be seen. There were no nearby air shows at the time, no airstrips in the vicinity that were especially capable of accommodating Concorde. How, I, mean, what? How, 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 I mean, how be, I don't even comprehend that. So, there'll be young people that won't necessarily know exactly what a Concorde is. Mm. I would definitely Google it. Yeah, it's quite a distinctive you, shape. Yeah, if you've been like, to Heathrow, maybe, or Gatwick, one of the two airports, there is a Concorde on like the entrance as you come Manchester's in. Manchester's got one as well. 
and they're qu- they're actually quite a small plane. They're not like a jumbo or mm. or anything like that because they were built like it's like ten thousand pound just to go to New York on it, and you would get there in like three hours or something ridiculous. Yeah, like it's that. a super yeah, so it's a supersonic plane made it broke the sound barrier. Yeah. Like they got to New York in like three hours. It was built yeah. basically for business people to get to meetings yeah. quick, quicker quick. and back. Yeah, yeah. It's um, and you're seeing that quite just taken off. It's, like, the most distinctive Bob's part of the Concorde is the nose, the tip. Yeah, it goes very, very sort of pointy, pointy. and then the wings. It's like it's different to what you'd see in a normal passenger. You don't see any other plane like Concorde. No. It's... So, I mean, could this Concorde in Shropshire have been like a, a premonition of the uh, Air France Flight 4590, which was the Concorde which crashed in 2000? Yeah. It sort of led that. to the Concorde coming out of coming out of business. It was already losing yeah. money anyway, wasn't it? And then yeah. uh, you yeah. had to crash and... Yeah, it took off in flames and crashed, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah, so... um... I didn't expect... I I thought you might have gone like a plane, but not specific specific as well. That Concorde is specific. Yeah, it could have been like... like Especially like with um, sort of... When you have small runways, you can have sort of small planes, two propeller planes and stuff like you see, like the little planes. But to see a Concorde... Mm. is a bit different yeah and, and I think back then as well you you would know that that would be something out of the ordinary even yeah. back in the early days that was a hell of a looking plane mm. there's a whole family that saw it again not it's... just one person it was multiple witnesses and to be so low to the floor as well like <laughs> so <all> about <laughs> like even if it had just took off it's not going to be 15 feet off the floor. No. Maybe much higher. And much faster. Like Much faster. It'd, it'd have gone. <laughs> like, yeah, that's, it. that's the other thing. It's like... I don't, I don't even know how you'd explain that one. It's just weird. <laughs> just weird. Like you say, that's a supersonic plane. That's not... That's not just some little... Propellered... Bloody... State of the art. Wow. <laughs> Okay. Maybe that was one of the first in, like incarnations of a UFO. Could be. Could be. Could be. <laughs> cool. So I've got my last one coming up now, which is called the Scotter Road Spectre in Humberside. I said that slightly slower so I could say it without ruining and spitting it out wrong. So, when it comes to terrifying phantoms, there's surely nothing as unsettling apart from seeing a Concord or a galloping (laughs) horse or something as seeing a 12 foot tall Monk marauding down the road on that the west. That would be road. pretty creepy. Twelve foot tall. Twice, twice sort of like a a tall 
bloke anyway. A six foot, a twice that. Wow. That's a bit crazy. But that's precisely what happened to 20-year-old Katie. We'll call her Katie. Back in 1999, when she was living at home in Scunthorpe in Lincolnshire. So there's a guy called Dr. Gandhi. And he says that Katie and her mum, Catherine, were looking out of an upstairs window when their eyes were drawn to a strange figure ambling down nearby Scotter Road. And the doctor says together they watched what looked like a monk coming up from their right. The hood was stood up to a point which was surprising given the heavy rain, but they couldn't quite see his face because of the angle. However, what really flummoxed Katie and her mum was the fact that the monk appeared to be 12 to 15 feet tall. How to say flummoxed? Flummoxed. Flum- that's a word you don't hear. You don't hear that very often. Flummoxed. That's a good word. Poo-pooed and flummoxed. <laughs> anyway. Flummoxed is a great word. <laughs> flummoxed is a great word. Katie tried to dismiss the encounter as an idiot in a weird fancy dress, but Mum Catherine watched in terror as the figure completely disappeared. The doctor added, neither Katie nor Catherine have broadcast their experience to others, but over the years they've overheard people with related stories. One involved a worker driving on the same stretch of road and seeing a monk in the road. He slammed on his brakes and thought they had run over the figure. He stopped looked but found there was nothing there which really shook him up now that's something that seems to ring true on a lot of them the people claim to have hit something but there's nothing there and i think if you'd hit like a horse you'd know about it hit a 12 to 15 (laughs) foot monk monk, it's probably got to be a decent size to him Mm. you would You'd think you'd know whether you hit them or not. But what a weird thing to... What? Yeah, especially, like, say, multiple witnesses. Yeah. So it's on the same stretch of road. And the fact that these two, the mum and daughter, hadn't outwardly spoken about their story, but had heard other people recalling similar events. That's weird. That is weird. Hmm. So... That was the Scotter Road Spectre. It was awesome. a short, short one, but quite possibly terrifying one. So, yeah. Imagine how different some of these things are, but all sort of obviously paranormal and weird and creepy. And like from seeing a Concord to seeing a 12 foot monk or a face on your window. That looks like people a knocking bell. people over, but mm-hmm. no one being there. Ghost girls flying alongside a car. It's like completely, they're, they're all non related type of. Like, with a, where we've talked about poltergeists, there's like a typical kind of behavior that seems mm. to happen and an escalation uh, from like knock ins right up to like physical harm. And UFOs tend to be. People have multiple experiences potentially, like throughout their life, of where they've seen UFOs or had terrifying ordeals. Yeah. But these ghosts on the road seem to 
be one-off events. But a lot of the time, one-off events that are witnessed by multiple people, but it's a one-off event for multiple different people. So it only ever happens at once. Yeah. But everybody recalls the same experience. I mean, that that ghost crash. Hmm. I mean... That's weird. Multiple witnesses. You've got the actual evidence. Mm -hmm. Witness of the guy that was towing the car. Mm -hmm. (sighs) Police reports from that night of all the witnesses phoning in, not just going, oh, yeah, I I saw that the other day. They're all Mm -hmm. calling in an accident. And it's only when the police turn up that they find this dead body in a crashed car that happened five months before. That's, that's awesome. weird. That's that's a really good case that sort of there's evidence, there's police involvement, so there's a report. You've got recovery people who've seen the dead body in the car. That's almost as good a kind of evidence gathering as you could get. Mm. Yeah, so like in, in the field where there's very very little tangible. Yeah, evidence to have that is mm-hmm. pretty big. Yeah, and the fact that it wasn't a crash, you could understand if it was a crash that had happened and there was a car, then it may have been people's timing slightly out. So they thought it had happened at nine and it was like at eight or something. This is like five months previous, and they'll be able to tell how how long that body's been dead for due to the decomposition. Yeah, yeah. And the guy said there was rust on the car, so it couldn't have just happened. Weird. I think that's, I don't know, favourites, a, a good choice of word, but that is... Yeah, yeah, I like that one. I like that yeah, one. Yeah, I like that one. I like that one. The absolute terrifying one is the wind, the face on the windscreen. The Greek person on the windscreen. And like you say, do you just sort of like look over to the side and just pretend it's not there and just hoping it will go away? Put the screen wipers on and pull, oh, yes. whack it off. Speeding up but watching out for speed cameras at the same time. Yeah. Is that going to hold up in court if you try and contest the speed camera? Getting you. There was a, there was a man's face on the <laughs> windscreen and I had to accelerate to like 90 miles an hour before he went. Before he went, I wish yeah. I had dash cam footage. That would have been good. Yeah, a lot of these they are quite old. There's nothing. I think the newest one of mine was 2016. Yeah, 2002 was my. Um, so, I mean, 2016, there was probably some early dash cams. Yeah, yeah. Um, not really quite as there is now, but. Would have been some. It would be good to have it now. I think a lot of people have dash cams now. A capture lot of do, yeah. some of these these things, which would be good. But then some people have dash cams, Ash, and still don't capture the moment. They <laughs> capture the moment after. Very true. But the fact that it was caught the moment after, and you can hear. The only reason I have it is because it was a seven hour drive back. And it wiped over all the footage. If I'd like got all the footage straight away, I'd have had it. Because it's so now drive, it had written over it. 
it's apart fine. from the moment after, which is saying when I press the button. That's great. I wasn't specifically talking about a particular instance. Yeah, yeah. I wish I had my dash cam. The only reason why I got a dash cam, I've been wanting one for ages, just because driving in with Shaw is just dangerous. And then I saw the black cat sighting, the large black cat sighting. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely good. I didn't have my dash cam. So I've been talking about getting one for months. Hadn't got one. And I see a black cat, a large giant cat, like panther type something. That would have been on my dash cam. I literally went out Amazon at night and bought the one I've got now. But if I'd, I'd have caught that on camera, me, black, large cat sighting. Would have been good. Famous. More famous. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I got on cool. uh, Angry People and local newspapers page. Oh, yeah. They always yes. like the, bag, the big cat stories on there. Yeah, they do. <laughs> <laughs> and then you just have your like sad face. Everybody's always got their like sad face. A pointy face. <laughs> cool. So that was Haunted Roads Part 2. Some of which we covered off like the Sally in the Wood bit, but it's always good to to refresh. Yeah, there's some really uh, interesting ones there. I like that. Mm, Concord, definitely weird. <laughs> like I say, if you haven't heard of Concord, some people probably haven't, the younger listeners, check it out. It's quite a distinctive craft, for yep. want of a better phrase. Yep. Awesome, Ash. Awesome. Okay. So, yeah, we've got lots just a, coming up this next yeah. week. Friday, yes. we'll have our UAP roundtable. Yes. For November. Saturday, we'll have another episode of Haunted Pub Crawl. Yes. And then Sunday, we'll have the first episode of Women in the Dark with Abby and yeah. Nat. And yeah. then Tuesday, we'll have our two year anniversary episode. Oh, my goodness me. We're going to be busy. <laughs> it's a busy week. <laughs> it's going to be a busy week. But a good week. It's a good yeah. week. And as you can see, I'm back in my normal recording studio area for now, anyway. Um, good. Yeah, cool. Okay, Ash. Well, as always, it's been a pleasure to catch up about the roads and paranormal. Yeah. And if anybody's got any roads they want us to look at, any pubs you think we might be interested in talking about, um, or anything paranormal or UFO related. Yeah, drop us a line. Yeah, contact Check us on the website. website. Yeah, the website's doing really well. You can get latest merch up there. If you're into Flat Earth, there's a Flat Earth Society <laughs> t-shirt up there. If anybody's interested. Um, yeah. New designs coming up in the merch store regularly. So yep, good give stuff. us a little tinkle. Yeah. Lovely. <laughs> I'll catch you next time. Bye. Pursuit of the Paranormal with Ash and Greg.